Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to the Talk is City podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy and joining me today must be one very happy chap indeed. It is Mr. Alex Brotherton. Alex, how's it going? Yeah, I've, um, yeah, it's 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 been a great weekend. <laughs> it's um, very happy to be on. Yeah, it's a pretty mm-hmm. incredible game, wasn't it yesterday? Um, so yeah, looking forward to just getting into it and uh, sort of dissecting what happened. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, what did happen in the broad strokes was Manchester City absolutely hammered their local rivals, their neighbours, Manchester United, six three double hat tricks. Only the third time I believe that's ever happened in the Premier League from Erling Haaland and Phil Foden. As a City supporter, Alex, like it almost seemed to me from watching on the telly that the the Etihad was obviously bouncing after the, I think it was the fifth or the sixth. The Poznan was going all around the stage and whatever. But it almost seems like City fans are just used to it at this point. It doesn't seem obviously as you know obvious comparisons to the six-one which is what now, quite a decade ago, maybe um, a bit further behind. It doesn't seem quite as momentous as that because it's just so regular now. But obviously, as a sport, it still must just be absolutely out of this world. So still, you know, it never gets old, I don't think, United being in the state that they are. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you're right. It's not, we can't pretend that this means as much as the 6-1 uh, back in 2011 or, you know, the, the FA Cup win in 2011 either. Like, it's... As you say, City have got quite accustomed to to beating United, and not just beating United, but absolutely demolishing Manchester United in recent times. Um, but still, I don't think many City fans are expecting quite a one sided affair. Obviously, the the end result slightly flatters United. I feel it. You know, City led four nil at one point, six one at another stage in the second half. Um, and obviously they kind of let it slip a little bit and United pulled a couple of goals back. But I think I think people, including myself, were expecting a tighter game. I wasn't expecting the same kind of one-sided, dominating game that we saw at Old Trafford last season and then at the Etihad back in March. Um, and, you know, I was kind of, ex- I don't know if anyone remembers, but the first sort of 15 minutes of that game back in March, um, United were actually, well, they, they fell behind pretty early on. Um, but they were actually, you know, pressing quite well, um, which is definitely not what they were doing yesterday. And I kind of thought they would do that. But now it was the same old um, what 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 we saw under Solskjaer and, and Ralph Rangnick, where it was United to sort of half-heartedly trying to press City. And that's the worst thing you can do against this City team. If you try and half-hearse it and, and, and press them and not, don't do it properly, then it's, you know... You just you just inviting City to pick up pick you apart and, and play into the spaces. So, yeah, incredible performance. Um, the two hat trick heroes, Erling Haaland and Phil Foden. I mean, playing out playing out of their skin and um, yeah, it was it was nice timing because I wrote I wrote an article. Um, mm. I think it was on Friday or Saturday, saying it would be nice if um, 
if Foden would uh, score in the derby for the first time. And uh, yeah, he didn't just score one, he scored three. No. So that was that was very nice of him to oblige. Um, but yeah, incredible performance. You know, Jack Grealish, I thought, was superb as well. Really good response to the criticism that he's had recently. Um, Manuel Akanji's continued to sort of defy his his pretty modest price tag. He looked absolutely solid, solid as anything. Um, and yeah, just an all-around great day at the office. And uh, yeah, I think the lasting image for me will be the United fans leaving the Etihad before halftime. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, as a City fan, it, it was very enjoyable. Yeah, I do not blame any of those fans leaving at halftime in the slightest. I think I definitely would have gone by at least, I maybe may have stretched it to three, but I'm thinking I've certainly left teams uh, games with the team I supported two goals before, and that was an away day in London. So I certainly don't blame anyone for lasting that long. Um, but yeah, you know, as you say, it, we, it kind of this game did defy expectations. Joe and I on, on last week's podcast um, were quite torn on the game. I think I went 2 2, and I think Joe went 3 2 to City. But we, you know, United were in good form. Maybe that break came at the worst possible time for them. But they they're in a good, good, good place before this game. Four games on the spin, victories, victories against the undefeated Arsenal, who have gone on to win since that game and look really good and are still actually top of the table, lest we forget. And um, and their first game, the first win of the season, came against Liverpool. And obviously, Liverpool aren't quite the Liverpool that they were, but um, last season. But it's still impressive for United to get the win there. So. Coming into this game, they were in good form. They had a settled side. They'd kind of gone to a pragmatic approach. They'd only conceded, I think, I want to say two goals in five games since the Brentford match, um, which obviously includes the Europa League games as well. And they kept three clean sheets, which is, you know, really good, really impressive going. But then it just all <laughs> um, fell, fell, fell apart within minutes here. And it, even, I think, the, the, the direction the wind was blowing was clear from the first two minutes or so when McTominay had to dive in to stop the first goal. I think it might have been from Bernardo, I want to say, his shot. And it was clear, as you say, that United were absolutely just steamrolled, even though, and you know, I thought, I don't know what your reaction was, but when that City team dropped, now we know that everyone in that City squad is a brilliant footballer. But when you hear no Rodri, when you hear no Diaz, and I praise Akanji and Ake to high heaven, and we will do again, but when you see them, to starting with no Rodri, you think, and obviously Calvin Phillips is injured as well at the moment, and Gundogan's back in defensive midfield. I think the last time Gundogan played defensive midfield in a big game was the Champions League final that was lost to Chelsea. So while we while we all know that Gundogan could play that role and has played that role to an amazing standard and helped City out, if you're a United fan or United player seeing that team, you must have been fancying your chances. But then literally just from the opening minute, the opening seconds, and of course it was the eighth minute when the, the when the dam burst, you see it just absolutely tore, tore them asunder. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, yeah, Gary Neville certainly fancied United's chances, didn't he, with that video. Um, when the team news, I think it was just before the team news officially dropped and he was saying United were going to do a job on City. And yeah, that's could be one of the, the most ill-timed videos you'll ever see on, on Twitter.com. I, I think what was interesting about uh, that is that Mika Richards, <laughs> Mika Richards actually looked like he agreed with him a bit. Mm. So I, I think, I wouldn't surprise me, you know, as a City fan yourself, what was your reaction to that team at first? You surely didn't see what was coming to come. But then again, as long as yeah. the number nine starting. Yeah, I think, um, well, yeah, I, I tweeted that, you know, obviously no one expected the Rodri to be injured. Um, it was a, uh, I think it was a calf injury picked up in training on uh, on Saturday or, uh, yeah, I think it was Saturday. So, um, 
yeah, that, I, I I tweeted that that's you know Rodri's kind of the player, one of the few players. Obviously, City's City have loads of good players, but there are a few where you really don't want to be without. And I think Rodri's definitely one of those. I think Edison is an obvious one just because of his ability with the ball on his feet and his role in the build-up. And probably Kevin, you'd say Kevin De Bruyne as well. But um, for a big game, you really don't want to be without Rodri. Um, but I did think that while it's not ideal, um, I I didn't really think United were the kind of team that would really, you know, it would really benefit them to not have Rodri. As brilliant as Rodri is, you know, unless... I don't know. I just think in that kind of game where you have got pacey midfielders for United and uh, the ability to hit City on the counter attack, like we have seen in, in past seasons, Rodri's obviously improved in guarding against transitions and counter attacks, but sometimes he can still get caught out. Uh, and that's just a, a reality of the fact that he isn't the quickest player sort of out of the blocks and he's not the most agile. Um, his strengths more lay lie with kind of you know being very aware of what's going on and taking a proactive approach, not giving the ball away easily. But he can get caught out if the ball comes at him quickly. Um, and but I f- and I kind of felt that Gundogan is perhaps a little bit more agile, a little bit perhaps a little bit quicker. Um, but in the end, it didn't really matter because United just didn't really offer that threat whatsoever. And then obviously Gundogan was just um, just played brilliantly that role that he used to play at Borussia Dortmund before he joined City where he was the sort of holding midfield six there um, just picking the ball up from the defence you know progressing it forward dragging United's midfielders uh, out of their position to create space for the likes of uh, what we saw early in Holland drop deep quite a lot I think that was part of City's game plan to to create space and isolate the uh, the defence so yeah Rodri will be a miss. Uh, hopefully he's not out for long, but obviously they didn't miss him too much against United. Diaz was a bit of a surprise, but Guardiola explained it afterwards that, you know, he kind of wanted, um, he wanted to have natural-sided centre-backs for this game. He doesn't always do that. We've seen Ruben Diaz and, and Akanji partner each other a few times recently. Um, but yeah, so that kind of meant he had to start Ake as the only fit left-footed centre-back. And then he's gone with Akanji over Diaz, which you can kind of, you know, you can kind of understand because Kanji's not put a foot wrong, really. Um, and Guardiola doesn't tend to drop people unless, you know, there's someone else that's really, really deserves to come in or that person's made a mistake. So, yeah, obviously Diaz being the professional that he is, is going to be disappointing not to play. But, you know, it's not going to be any issues. I think we, we saw Diaz as one of the first to post on the social media after the game saying how happy he was with the game and whatnot. Um, so yeah, so I thought it was a that was a bit of a surprise, but in the end, you know, it didn't it didn't really matter too much. But yeah, Akanji is um is really looking to be quite the quite the bargain signing, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. We'll get on to him in um in good time. But you know, as as you say there, I think you're right. I think United to me seem like the perfect how they've been playing recently to kind of sit deep and with Ericsson's distribution and the pacey attackers getting behind, they almost seem the perfect side to actually do some damage to United. Um Sorry, to City. Um, City, as we've seen, especially in the Newcastle game earlier this season, can be quite vulnerable. If you get in behind them, you kind of break um, through the press and you get them on the turn. They, they kind of struggle on like coming back, recovering, not facing forward. And United seemed the perfect team most suited to do that, but it just it just did not, not come to pass whatsoever. As I say, I think the first two minutes when Grealish um, got Dallow booked, Straight away, it kind of really set the tone and didn't Malassia Mal- followed him not too long after. Mm. And I should say, it was really that City left-hand side where um, 
where City just had so, so much joy. And it started in the eighth minute. Um, I believe it was uh, Bernardo who actually did the cross, but it was, you know, Cancelo, Grealish and Bernardo. That link-up play, that interchange was absolutely breathtaking, setting up Foden. And, and I say the, the dams burst uh, far from there. Haaland gets um, <laughs> unmarked from a corner, remarkably. Only the only a giant not hard to miss and only the best striker on the planet. So, yeah, don't bother marking him. Or if you're going to try and do it, put... <laughs> What is it? This five foot ten Christian Eriksen on him. Only only seven inch difference there, lads. No stress. And then you know, two more goals after that. I and mean, I thought the quality of City goals was just kind of spellbinding at times. Amazing passing moves, the interplay between everyone, and the finishes. I mean, Foden's finish for that first one, just so clinical. And then Haaland's, I think it's the third when he he kind of gets the jump on Varane, gets in behind. But not only does he have the pace kind of get into the position to meet um is it De Bruyne's pass I want to say but he has the um the the height the length um the length in his legs to get a toe on it and direct it in and then Foden's fourth was also a, a lovely goal as well yeah I mean that um City's third goal just everything about it was just incredible really it's the um yeah it's 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 just remarkable that Kevin De Bruyne can pull off that cross and it's probably not even in his, you know, maybe top 10 assists for City, but it's probably one of the best assists we'll see this season because the just the way that he just kind of dinks, he just digs the ball out from underneath his right foot. And it, it's not a particularly sort of, you know, a big grand sort of backswing with his leg. It's just a little sort of, little just gets his foot underneath it. But just with the exact right amount of curl to evade I, I, I don't know if it's Lissandro Martinez is the sort of the first defender that it beats just to evade him and then get just beyond the reach of Varane and then obviously Haaland's peeled around the outside and and to get to where Haaland can stretch and reach it without Haaland having to be offside it's just it's just ridiculous like it's I could probably what I could watch that goal all day I have pretty much done so since full-time yesterday <laughs> um but and then obviously, but and then the finish, it's just I that is what City were missing. I'm I'm sitting here and you know, City beat United 4 1 last season at home. They scored more goals than anyone else. But there's been this feeling that, you know, Kevin De Bruyne wasn't maybe getting the number of assists he would he should have got because a lot of his attempted assists, let's say, were crosses like that, where there just wasn't quite that person with the right sort of anticipation and the right physicality and flexibility and lethalness in front of goal and Haaland just has it all so it's the it's the timing the, the sense of the intelligence to to make that run and create that separation between him and Varane the timing to make sure he does it so he's not offside and when you watch the replay he's a good like you know maybe a f half a foot onside so it wasn't even close it didn't even have to go to VAR you can see on the replay that he's on and which just makes it incredible that he gets to the ball and obviously his, his, his physicality to stretch and the pace to get there and then stretch and the accuracy he gets on the shot, even though he's he's pretty much horizontal when he connects with the ball. You know, that's not normal. <laughs> Most strikers probably can't get such a good finish um, from that position. And and yeah, it's just that that's one of... It's not going to be winning any goal of the season awards, I don't think, because I'm sure City will win uh, score more spectacular goals and perhaps even more technically better goals, but that one is just everything about it was was so good. And I wouldn't say United 
particularly did anything bad with that goal. I think they probably should have closed down Kevin De Bruyne quicker. But in terms of Varane trying to stop Haaland, I don't. I wouldn't say he does anything particularly poorly. It's just it's just ridiculous. But yeah, um, obviously there was five other goals that we could talk about. But you know that that one was definitely the best for me. Um, but yeah, also yeah, Foden's goals were great. He's showing last season when Foden played that false nine role quite a bit. Um, Guardiola did mention that he was the go-to option because he had that. Um, you know, that sense or smell of gold, that, that phrase that Guardiola likes to use. Um, and I think Foden showed it again with, the, with that first sort of thumping first-time finish to put City one up. Um, and then obviously his, his, uh, his second as well was um, was just, well, that, that was a fantastic assist from Haaland. People criticise Haaland for not, um, you know, maybe not doing enough when he's not bearing down on goal, but the run that he made, the the accuracy he gets on that, that left footed cross, which is, you know, supposedly his weaker foot, I think, or I don't even know anymore. I don't think he has a weaker foot, does he? Um, no weakness whatsoever. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the um the Foden did really well to time his run as well to stay on side. And then obviously he slides in and he w- seems to want it a bit more than uh, Martinez at the back post. So um so yeah, brilliant goals in the first half and the the ones in the second half weren't bad either, were they to be fair? No, absolutely. We'll, we'll kind of get to the second 45 in a minute, but I think the Haaland, the hat-trick Haaland one might be my um, favourite City goal because the emphaticness with which he just absolutely thumped it into the net um, was absolutely brilliant. But kind of just sticking to like the first half and, you know, Foden, you, you mentioned that at the start of the, 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 the episode about your article, you can have your flowers now. You know, Foden, I thought Foden's finishing might have even been a bit more impressive than Haaland's on the day. Haaland was just... It just seemed so natural to him. It was just a toe poke. I'm not just a toe poke. It was incredible movement and athleticism to get to it. But a toe poke, a header, and then, as I said, a thumping finish. But I thought all of Foden's goals were just the accuracy with which he finished. I think the third one, right in the corner, brilliant. And as I say, that first one, the, the speed with which that ball comes to him and he just kind of effortlessly rifles it in. That's so easily, you know, me or you or any, pretty much any other footballer. You know, spoons that over the bar and it's a chance gone. But Foden, I think I should say, I'm going to let you take it away because you wrote the article on Friday and he really did um, answer the call, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and you could see how much it meant to him as well. You know, he gave a cheeky little shush celebration to the United fans in that corner. Um, and yeah, I think it's his eighth Manchester derby appearance and it's the first time he'd scored. And then to go and score a hat trick um, is just. It's just pretty incredible, really. But yeah, as you say, brilliant technique with that first goal. That that is really difficult because um, you know Bernardo Silva's done brilliantly with that cross, and I think it was a few minutes before that um, Bernardo stood across up to the back post, which Haaland headed across goal, and eventually it was cleared. But I think he's fooled the United defence there. You know, everyone's expecting him to stand up another cross towards Haaland, but he's actually just rifled it in low to sort of the near post area. And obviously Foden's expecting the cross, but it's still difficult to wrap his foot around it when it's coming at him at that pace. Um, and to get it not only on target, so, but to you know get the power on it where De Gea is just not going to have a chance uh, at saving it was was really impressive. And obviously, as I said, the, the timing of his run for the second, for his second, I should say, um, was great. And then, yeah, that um, just the, uh, I guess, the desire and the concentration to, to keep going for his hat-trick goal because... United had pretty much stopped. They all thought it was offside. I'm not saying it wouldn't have gone in, you know, had the United players carried on, but, it, you know, you could just see it was the difference in the two teams' 
mentalities in a way. You know, United, obviously the replay showed that Luke Shaw was clearly playing Foden on side. But the fact that all United's defenders just stopped, put their arms in the air, I think De Gea even asked for offside as well. Whereas Foden just carried on, kept his head down, rifled it into the near post. Um, yeah, I think that just showed that, you know, United just weren't on it at all. And Foden wasn't going to let... Um, anything distracting from getting that hat trick of, you know, anything you can do early, I can do better. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a great performance from Foden and mm-hmm. probably is, is, uh, yeah. I mean, I think he's been quite good this season. You know, Guardiola has said that he's not always been at his best so far this, this campaign, but definitely his best performance of the season and probably best for, you know, one of his best in a city shirt. I'm not going to say the best, but you know, one of the best for sure. Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's, I think it's, you know, it's certainly up there recently by his side, but, you know, his first hat-trick and not not a better place to kind of score it. But I think we've, we've talked about this previously, but it seems absolutely crystal clear now that City's best front three is this trifecta of Grealish, Haaland and Foden. I think this switch to the right has really just done Foden so much, so much joy because he, he seems like he's, because he doesn't have to be the one stretching the byline anymore. And I'm sure he'll go back on the left on occasion when Pep wants a natural left-sided player on the left flank. But I think the fact that he's on the right now and he's able to come in more and be on the end of these crosses, um, it's, it's serving a world of good. And I say, you, you mentioned earlier Grealish, even though he didn't really quite, um, wasn't quite able to get in on the fun once again, his, his performance level it's taken a massive step up since I obviously sagged him off after Dortmund and have been not, done nothing but been proven wrong since. But he, he was poor in that game, but his response to that in the, um, has there been two matches since? It's been brilliant. He was excellent against Wolves and he's kept that on now. Um, he, I don't think he had much joy in the international break, did he? But he um, he's kind of, for, for the club form at least, he's carried that on. He had Davo on toast during that match and that early booking was such a big part of... Um, uh, United being so toothless because they couldn't stick the boot in as much, especially on that side. And that left flank is what really, really kind of did the early damage. And Grealish had a massive part to play in that. So that that front three, it really does seem to have crystallised now as City's best attacking yeah, lineup. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, yeah, I thought Grealish was was excellent. And you know, if Haaland and Foden hadn't both gone and scored hat tricks, and City had won six three we'd probably be sat here saying that Grealish was man of the match. You know, if this was a standard, you know, 2-0 City win or something like that, Grealish was excellent. Um, yeah, I thought, I think in the early stages, obviously, you know, that doing what he did to Dallow, as I think that probably contributed to sort of rattling United a bit because it was clear from the off. He made it clear himself that, you know, City, were, this wasn't going to be a, a home Manchester derby where City passed it around a lot, didn't really find a way through and then kind of, ended up with a disappointing result. You know, City were at United's throats from minute one and, and Grealish was a big part of that. I thought it was interesting that, um, you know, some something that's sometimes credited with him perhaps not sparkling as much for City as maybe he did for Villa is that he does tend to play this high and wide left-wing role where his brief is more to stay there, keep the ball, uh, get, you know, play others in rather than always cutting in himself. But I think we saw in the early stages, obviously, he did cut in. And um, for a bit, City's build-up, uh, when they were bringing out from the back, I noticed that um, it was actually Kevin De Bruyne and Bernardo that were kind of splitting to go wide. And that allowed 
Haaland to drop deep uh, to get the ball and then Foden and Grealish were actually more central. It was almost like the 10s and the wingers and the 8s kind of swapped at times. Um, so I think he benefited from that. There was a there was a couple of moves where Grealish was just surging through the middle of the pitch and exploiting that massive gap that was between United's defence and midfield. Uh, and then after that, he went back to the wing, but he was still, you know, mixing it up. He was going to the byline. He was cutting in. Um, and then obviously once Dallow was booked, it was um, he just had license to go in because any time he cut in, you know, United, Dallow couldn't really do anything for fear of being sent off. So it was a um, perfect situation really for Grealish, I think, um, after that that early booking. So yeah, it's um, it was a great performance, probably one of his best in a City shirt. And hopefully he can build on it because, you know, when he's playing like that, he is... People forget how how good of a footballer he is, I think, and it's a joy to watch. And I think, you know, not that I really care much what neutrals or non-City fans think, but if he keeps putting performances like that, he'll, the criticism will probably end fairly soon, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely no doubt about that. You know, and then we go into the second half. The goal of the game, just like it kind of did in that six-one when it was it Darren Fletcher who banged one in from like forty yards in that game. Mm. Just like in this, um, just like then, um, Anthony kind of just after the break gets um, a brilliant kind of low bending strike that sort of the strike like you, the height of it seems like Edison should save it, but the the kind of the direction and the the pace of which it was hit was just brilliant. There was no stopping it, but you know. City quickly put an end to any sort of um, hope of a comeback if there even was any. Haaland gets his hat-trick first, as we said there, a, a thumping finish um, before Foden gets his. Um, eight games it's taken Haaland um, to score three hat-tricks in the Premier League. I think the stat going around, as everyone has seen, was the, was it Salah? I think it previously had the record, maybe, and it was about 40 games, and the, the end of the chart was Torres on 70 games, and he was like sixth fastest to get it so yeah. it's an astoundingly stupid rate of with which he's scoring goals um uh first person to score three hat tricks in home games in succession as we've said pretty much every week since week two or three he um he kind of defies uh words at this point there's not much literally not much more we can say about him already he's even as you mentioned earlier He's setting up two goals. He's he's into plays mint. I don't think anyone can even doubt that anymore. The way he was coming deep, passing the ball on, and then scoring, assisting. He's honestly the perfect footballer. But what I did think was quite interesting, his comments after the match, he he kind of said that he got a bit of slack after the Liverpool game. It was the, the, um, the Community Shield. It was the classic, oh, welcome to England, lad. You've got it's not going to be quite as easy as it was in Germany. And that he has almost, so, you know, if anything, it's been easier than it was in Germany for him. Um, and but he kind of admitted it was a good thing for him for it to not go quite as well there because it I, I wouldn't say he wasn't working hard or anything but he kind of made it seem a pay that I I will have to knuckle down a bit and put it in to get this good and you know it's a good job that happened in a, in a meaningless match because it's been uh, an untold joy to watch him in the what is it now 10, 10 competitive games he's played now and has I want to say seventeen goals which yeah. is just seventeen and eleven yeah. I, I see. I, I, I want to make it, it look depends. even better. Yeah, yeah. don't don't the community shield. Sorry. Yeah, make it look even better. I mean, Bournemouth, <laughs> amazingly, are the only team since the season started who've kept him quiet, which is mind-boggling considering they considered seven the week after. But yeah, Haaland, man, go on, try, try and say something new. Yeah, well, you say he kept him quiet. He still got an assist in that game, and 
his movement, I think, I can't remember which goal it was against Bournemouth, but there was definitely one where it was clear he was occupying about two two defenders and that just left a massive gap for someone else to run into and score. So it's, you know, he can just, even when he doesn't get on the score sheet, you know, as you said, his build-up play is very good, contrary to what people were saying when City signed him. And then even if he's not assisting someone or even touching the ball, just his very presence and movement, you know, is just so distracting for defenders. And it, I'd hate to be a defender and be put in that position where it's like, well, do I pay attention to Haaland or do we overcompensate and then just give oceans of space for cities or the talents to just destroy us? It's, it must be such a hard situation. But yeah, as you're saying, it was, you know, free, free hat tricks in the space of eight games. I think it was Michael Owen, actually, that... Um, yeah, he did it in 40 games more. So it's wonderful. just, yeah, it's just um, ridiculous, you know. I think my personal favourite stat, if we're going to go down the stats route, is that, um, yeah, I think he's, he's now got the same amount of, of hat-tricks, so three hat-tricks uh, as Cristiano Ronaldo. It took Ronaldo 232 Premier League games to reach that, and he's taken mm-hmm. Haaland eight. Um, so it's just incredible. Yeah, it's there is... Just running out of things to say. I just, I, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't. It, the, the scary thing is, usually when you have these ridiculous scoring runs, it's kind of like, well, it'll revert to the mean at some point. They're clearly over. The player must be overperforming their, you know, their average level. But I don't know if he is really. No. Like maybe a little bit. No, I don't think. I can I still see him, even if he was to, you know, have a couple of games where he doesn't score or. He stops scoring hat tricks every game, then he's still going to score like forty goals in this Premier League season. And the current single season record is thirty two, and that was Mo Salah in twenty seventeen eighteen. So like, that's just incredible. Yeah, I, it's... I, I I think if he actually carries on at this rate in all competitions, I think and City played every game, so I got to every final. I think he'd actually, he's actually on for seventy eight goals. It's just and, stupid. And, but as you, I think you. I think you're perfectly right there. This doesn't feel like a hot streak or a rich vein of form. This doesn't, for example, and I love I love Jamie Vardy, so I'm not calling him here, but it doesn't feel like when Jamie Vardy scored, and his record is soon going, I imagine, but um, it doesn't feel like when Jamie Vardy broke Van Nistelrooy's record of scoring in, was it 13, 12 or 13 games in mm. succession? That was lightning in a bottle. Leicester are playing, you know, a mad story. Vardy's hit the form of his life and he, he'll step down a bit after that. But this doesn't feel like, if anything, it feels like he'd get better. Which mm. He's 20, 22, he's going to get better. He's playing under Guardiola. Like, it's terrifying. I, 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 it is terrifying, but like I'm not a City fan, so I, I want you to kind of take your, maybe keep it on, maybe not. I don't, as a City fan, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't blame you for being buzzing about having the best player in the world to the best team in the world already. But, does it feel a bit like if every other kind of football team and City haven't won the Champions League yet, so they need to do it to get that. And you'd imagine if they somehow conspire to lose a semi-final this time around, it'd be very funny. But like, is it almost feel like how can the best team in the world that won the Premier League only by a point in fairness, um, and it went close, but has won four of the last five Premier League titles, is clearly kind of the, if not the best team in the world, the top two. How can you then go and be allowed to go and add guaranteed goal, like the best striker? It, it, do, do you not think it like the you know the, the the question of like competition and stuff? It does feel like, and you know, City aren't even top yet, as we said, but 
is is there an argument to be had that it's almost unfair? And it's not because of how it's set up, but you, you kind of know what I'm getting at. And I don't expect you to care because why would you, as a City fan? But it almost feels like as a not a City fan, you know, I don't support a Premier League team. It's not, I've got no arse in the race, but it just feels like oh come on, it's, it's like um you know in American sports, and I'm not advocating for an American model or anything, but the worst team gets the first draft pick if I'm correct. I don't really watch them either, so I might be talking. Mm. Rubbish, but that's to keep comp- competition fair. And obviously, it's a franchise model, and everyone. The point is to keep the comp- competition high, to keep um, games high. It's a different model. I'm not saying that, but it does feel like, my God, what can anyone else do when the best team or adds the best player? You know, it, it seems so so mm. strange. It's you know, it's exasperation. Yeah. yeah, I know what you mean, but yeah, I mean it's you know the. Real Madrid could have he could have easily gone to Real Madrid mm. and obviously we're not talking about a player that City where the transfer fee was you know mm. only achievable for one team it was uh, obviously like yeah the transfer fee was 51 million pounds but there are these massive payments that have gone to his representatives including his dad and obviously his wages which are you know he's in the top two earners at, at the club but you know, Real Madrid were in the race the whole time. They would have known how much it was going to cost in the end. Whether it's, I think it's probably a combination of Haaland deciding to go to City and also Real Madrid thinking, well, you know, we kind of need to invest in our midfield. So we're going to go and sign uh, Chouameni and we're just going to have to not sign Haaland. And to be fair, they thought they were going to sign Kylian Mbappe, but it's another story. But I don't know. I just, you know, City have had a record breaking summer of sales. We can't forget that. You know, it's, I think I'd, yeah, I understand it. And it does seem a bit mental that City can still win the Premier League and then go and sign the best striker in the world and just be even better and more lethal. Um, but, you know, they have made, I can't even remember the figure now, but, you know, they've sold Sterling for 45 million. They sold Jesus for 45 million. They sold Zinchenko for 30. They signed, sold a whole load of academy talents, <coughs> pardon me, um, for, for a decent chunk of money. You know, they've made at least 150 million pounds in player sales that's that's probably gone a long way to meaning they can afford to to you know not obviously not the transfer fee of Haaland but all the other fees that came with it so yeah um I think people or critics do tend to forget that a little bit but um yeah I know what you mean it must be very frustrating for fans of other teams just you know it was hard enough playing City last season and perhaps it wasn't in the last few months of the campaign when City slipped and they were almost crawling over the finish line by the end um, but now it's hard to imagine City being in that position this season where they're struggling to get wins. Um, because and even now, like, you know, when they've they've gone two goals behind in Newcastle and two goals down to Crystal Palace, they've still got this incredible player up front who can just, you know, he's not necessarily creating the goals out of nothing for himself, but City can just pump balls to him if if needs be. If nothing else is working, they can just put balls into him, and chances are he'll finish at least one of them. So it's um, it is. It must be, yeah. My condolences to fans of the teams. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm not criticising City. They've acted, you know, as a smart club would do in the circumstances with which they are working. They've, and we've said it before, they needed a striker to score the goals. They've found the best striker. And they are getting the results from that. I'm not criticising City for it. I think I'm more exasperated at how the foot... And this is, again, this is not... Well, maybe it is a bit City's fault with the money and, you know, PSG's fault with the money they've pumped in and whatnot. 
but it's more exasperating of how if it wasn't for Liverpool who have played and they've spent a lot of money too, I know. But if it wasn't for Liverpool kind of playing at the absolute apex of their physical and skillful abilities and pushing City all the way to the um, absolute zenith, it'd be um, five in a row and four in a row. And, and it, it does seem like with how City are just getting stronger and it's not City's fault that they are the one competent club when all the other clubs that do have spent the same or less or more money have been poorly run. It's not City's fault that they are the ones who sign the good players and don't make mistakes and other clubs do. But it does seem like now the Premier League is kind of heading into a Bundesliga-like scenario where City will win it all the time. And again, that's not no one else. That's not City's fault for doing it right. It's but that's that's kind of the the reality we seem to be heading in because I can't you know they're not top yet, but it doesn't seem exactly. like it'll be long. Let's not for, let's not well, forget you know Arsenal are still top. <laughs> so well, well, let's let's talk about this because it was a sick three win. There's what can you have to complain about? But. It's they concede three goals, and I've said it on this podcast a few times. It can be got at that I don't think they're quite as defense. I'm, I'm gonna after this, I'm gonna praise the Kanji because I think he's been brilliant since he came in. But they can be got at. Uh, I do think City turned off at the end, and that's why the goals were happening. I think Guardiola, I'd imagine Guardiola was fuming, especially about the Marshall first goal because that was poor. Like they turned off, and Marshall got in, reacted before anyone. That shouldn't be happening. But that them three goals, I think, I've, I've it's that just that bit of kind of fragility that means that they're not, you know, it's it's the what is it? it's the one weakness to the Death Star. It's like they can just be got at every now and then. They can turn off, and, and that's why you do have this thing where the same when the Champions League semi-finals come. Is there a worry that it will happen again? Even though everything should they should win the Champions League, and I know PSG are playing really well this year, but City should win it. And you, this kind of vulnerability to me just seems like, oh, there's still that little that little chink in the armour, that little bit where you can get at them, you can get goals, and they've got the firepower now to make up for it. They've got the, they've really developed a real good, um, real good kind of fighting spirit coming back, as Guardiola said. A few, when he first joined, they weren't going to come back from goals down. They did it against Villa. They did it um, three times this season against Dortmund, uh, Palace and Newcastle. New, really good spirit, but Sometimes that you come up against a Madrid or a PSG in good form, you might not get that comeback, can you? It just seems mm. like there's that. It's even still, when you've got you know the best players in the world and the best manager and the best football, you still got that little bit of concern. Yeah, I think um, it, it. This City team now reminds me a bit. Like it, I think City have ceded a little bit of control. The, um, compared to what they had last season, just by having Haaland and being a bit more direct, and in some ways, it's obviously a much better team. But it reminds me of how I felt in uh, Pellegrini's first season, where it, sometimes it did feel like, okay, we're City, and you can, you know, you score three and we'll score five. It's like we we, we might not be the most defensively solid all the time, but we're just going to score an absolute ton of goals. Um, and obviously, that's what happened, and City won the league. Um, but yeah, I do know what you mean. I think in terms of yesterday's game, you know, I do feel a bit sorry for Edison because whenever City concede these days, it does he just seems to come in for flack. And I don't know, like he, he does have a fairly poor record recently in terms of, you know, how many shots on target or the proportion of shots on target he's conceded. But in terms of yesterday's game, that's maybe it's a, not a, a too uncomfortable height for him, but I think the power and accuracy of that shot from Anthony kind of, 
you know, he can be excused for that, I think. Then the second goal, as you as you've mentioned, I think Akanji will be disappointed with that. He's kind of been wrong footed by Fred. Then Edison makes a good save. And I think an Imerit Laporte that hasn't been out for five months probably reacts quicker because he was clearly ball watching. You can see as the ball rebounds off Edison, he just sort of stands there, looks, and then all of a sudden Martial's there heading it in. So I think a Laporte that has been playing regularly probably gets there and clears it. Uh, or even if, if Ake was still on the pitch, I think Ake probably clears that or Diaz. Um, and then obviously the penalty is just a, a you know, it's a, it's a Joao Cancelo brain fart, which we can happen. And we all know that that can happen. And particularly at the end of the game, I think, you know, it was in injury time. City just switched off completely and Cancelo has a little nibble um, and the player goes down. So I wouldn't, yeah, I think the second goal is just more concerning because, you know, Akanji's been brilliant and that's probably the only thing he's done wrong since he walked in, walked in the, the front door um, back in August. So, yeah, I think um, you are right, though. There is definitely a, a slightly soft underbelly to see. Um, but hopefully it doesn't matter because they're just going to score so many goals. But as you, you know, this is what happened in the semi-finals Champions League last season, you know, City scored loads against Real Madrid and then it just all fell apart anyway. So um, hopefully they can learn from those experiences and when if they're in, you know, under the cosh again in Europe, uh, somewhere like the Bernabeu or, or elsewhere, then they'll try and be a bit more um, resilient and perhaps draw on those past sort of painful experiences. But I wouldn't say there's any great cause for concern, um, but yeah, Guardiola, I think you're right, Guardiola probably would have been a bit um, less happy than he would have been if it was 6-1. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, let's end on the positives. Two more, well, a negative, I suppose. Walker went off injured. That's not good at all, just after coming back. He played for England, but he went to. He hadn't played for a few games for City before the international break. Hopefully that's not a long-term thing, especially with um, Rodri and Phillips also out at the minute. But um, his replacement, Gomez, came on. And I'll say I want to give him a bit of praise because, my God, that assist for Haaland's hat-trick goal, I thought was brilliant and really shows that he's kind of settling well. He went into midfield later on as well and looked all right. So he, he's kind of doing that Sinchenko role really well. And I'm quite, I'm quite intrigued to see a bit more of him. And, and again, we have just said he, he might have got a bit wrong-footed there, but I think Akanji needs to have some praise because he's come into this team. As you say, he was probably fifth choice when he first arrived. Um, obviously, the port was injured, so pushed him up a bit. Um, with Ake and uh, Stone, Stone's injured at the minute as well. With those two picking up knocks, he was brought in last minute, deadline day, 15 million. And he wasn't even that good at Dortmund. Dortmund wanted to sell him in the summer and had no takers. And already he looks like a colossus in that line. I don't know what Guardiola does, but I can't remember which goal it was for. Was it maybe the, the third, I want to say? It's, he, it's him who, no, it's the first actually. He wins the ball back pretty much on the halfway line, he starts the move that ends in the goal. And it, 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 he's already, honestly, like, wow, I didn't... Obviously, Haaland's Haaland is the signing of the century, pretty much. But, my God, if it wasn't for Haaland, he'd, he'd be the signing of the summer for the price he's been and the start he's had. Hopefully, it stays that way, of course. But, wow, I, I'm honestly stunned at how, how well he's got in at, and started at City. Yeah, I think that... Um... It's obviously City's first goal, I think it shows um yeah, it just showed the sort of both the defensives, like, you know, the the traditional defensive elements of his game, but then also his on the ball ability. Because if I remember rightly, Jack Grealish played that quite poor pass across the sort of center circle, which was easily intercepted by I think it was Jaden Sancho. 
And Akanji is, you know, he's not in a position you'd want to be in if someone's running at you from the centre circle because, you know, he wasn't expecting Grealish to give the ball away. But he he does really well. He stands up, Sancho blocks the attempted pass. And then, as you said, he then carried it forward into the massive space in United's midfield. Um, And then obviously laid it off to Foden, I think it was, or De Bruyne. And then, yeah, obviously a few seconds later, Foden smashing the ball in. But yeah, he was so composed um, with the ball with the ball at the back, and then obviously carrying it forward. I think he had a. There was a moment in the second half, I think, where United were kind of half-heartedly trying to press City. There wasn't really a pass on for Kanji, so he just waltzed through the middle of two United players that were thinking about pressing him, and all of a sudden City are on in the attacking third, and it's all because of a Kanji's vision to just drive the ball forward. Um, so already he's looking like one of City's best on the ball. Um, centre-backs along with Stones and Laporte, I'd say. He looks better on the ball than Diaz and, and Ake do. And then, yeah, he so you know he's probably not been tested still enough yet in from the sort of traditional defensive aspects, but then defenders for Manchester City rarely do. And as you say, he'll be disappointed with that um, second United goal. But I think, yeah, I think we can maybe just like let that one slide. And yeah, he's been really impressive. And even if he, you know, when everyone's back fit, obviously Laporte's back now. When Stones is back, uh, if Diaz comes back into the team, maybe at some point he'll lose his place. But you know, for for fifteen million to have that kind of quality uh, player as a as a backup option or rotation option or a starter as he has been so far, it's just uh, brilliant business and testament to City and and him as well. Because yeah, it w- it would be easy, I think, to to go from being a player that's been frozen out the eleven at Dortmund, going to City getting your big move of your career, it'd be easy to kind of just coast through, wouldn't it? But he clearly wants to stay in the team uh, for as long as possible. And he's so far hasn't given any reason to drop out. So yeah, really impressed. Absolutely. Well, it was a great weekend for City. Derby Day Delight, a 6-3-3, a 6-3 victory over Manchester United. Another one for the record books, you know, another absolute hammering of their local rivals. It's, it's going to be a big week for City as well. I'm back in Champions League action. Um, FC Copenhagen um, in midweek, which, uh, you know, City, City get a win there, then they're almost pretty much guaranteed spot in the knockout stages, so an important match. And then home game against Southampton at the weekend. We'll be talking about that and um, both those games later on this week on another episode of the Turkey City podcast. But to stay up to date with all those matches, all the build-up, the latest injury updates on the players that are currently um, sidelined, get over to manchestereveningnews.co.uk forward slash Manchester City. You can keep abreast of all the latest news on our Twitter at ManCityMEN. And we're also on Facebook with the uh, Manchester Evening News dash Manchester City page. So as I said, we'll be back later on this week to talk more um, City. But thank you for now, for listening, and we'll see you then. ta